listening to Shelf for Libraries in Edmonton on CJSR. We're a group of library students at the University of Alberta who are interested in raising awareness about topics such as censorship, freedom of expression, and social responsibility. My name is Larissa. And I'm Rachel, and we'll be your host for this next half hour. Thanks for tuning in. Today, love is in the air, and we're exploring the topic of romance. First up, we have Amanda Arthonaut in discussion with Ashley Dotto, the Library Service Coordinator at the Strathcona Branch for the Edmonton Public Library, where they will talk about how to find new romance authors. I am the Library Services Coordinator of the Strathcona Branch of Edmonton Public Library. I've been a romance reader since I was about 18. Obviously, things have changed now with um, e-publishing and readers' advisory blogs. How do you find new titles now? There's a particular blog called uh, Smart Bitches Trashy Books that is really good for new authors, especially like self-published authors and uh, kind of ebook only authors. So I've discovered a lot through that and through the podcast uh, that the woman who runs that blog, she also does uh, a weekly, I think, podcast. And a lot of it involves uh, interviews with authors. It's very interesting to listen to the podcast because romance authors seem to be very supportive of each other. That's really and cool. One of the, yeah, and one of the questions she always asks them, one of the last things is, uh, what are you reading right now? Mm-hmm. And they all, they, they read other stuff as well, but they all read within the genre. Yeah. And they can all make really good recommendations. So it's really interesting. I think that's really neat, too, because there's always this awful stereotype about um, female conflict. And this is an industry that's dominated by women. And it seems like it's one that's really um, self-promotional within that field. So that's really cool to hear about. Oh, totally. And you see um, a lot of writing together. There's authors who write like either the books of short stories together on a theme or a whole series of books where they each write one book. Um, there's a lot of author writing groups that they reference each other in their uh, beginning uh, dedications. Mm-hmm. They'll talk to each other in the dedication saying, you know, thank you for looking over my stuff or being super supportive. So I find that really interesting. In your own experience, do you find that re- romance readers are growing in number due to the access that they get on the Internet and learning about different titles that way? I think I think that's definitely part of it. They tend to be... There is a huge community, especially online, and romance was one of the first to wholeheartedly um, embrace uh, ebook publishing. And like, if you look at in the library catalog of ebooks, a lot of them are romance mm-hmm. novels. Um, so, also the ideas around open access and and access for everyone seems to be something the romance community has really embraced. It's another sort of challenge to gender norms. We have this idea of the internet full of, like, angry male trolls. Like, that's what we hear so much about in the media and how it's this male-dominated sphere. And yet here's this huge industry that's come out of female tech savvy, female creativity, and it's spawned all of these different titles. I just find that so amazing. I should point out, too, that there are a lot more male um, readers of romance than I think we realize. Okay. And you see more of that online, for sure, especially for authors and titles that are kind of, because there's so many subgenres in romance, Mm -hmm. books might be kind of promoted in other ways. So a lot of like urban fantasy and paranormal romance. Certain authors, especially if they're writing from the perspective of the hero of the romance, tend to have a lot of male fans. 
Okay, well, let's we'll wrap it up just by asking f- for your suggestion for people who are new to the genre or skeptical. What would you say? Um, what source would you point them to to get started? Either like oh. a reader's advisory blog or a favorite title that you feel could be really interesting to people. Blogs are a good place to start. So something like um, All About Romance has a great uh, rating system. Okay. Or also to how uh, hot the books are, the sexual <laughs> content, essentially. Yeah. Because it can be anywhere from, like, the Amish romances, in which nothing may be more hot than a kiss happens, maybe, or hand-holding, um, to, like, the super explicit verging on erotica Well, fabulous. Thank you so much. I feel like, yeah, that covers everything off really nicely. Okay, great. That was Ashley Dotto talking about romance authors with our very own Amanda. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Shout for Libraries on CJSR. Today, we are exploring the topic of romance. Let's now take a listen with Amanda and Celine in conversation with Nicole Loroff, who is the Academic Library Resident for Student Engagement and Outreach here at the University of Alberta. They will be talking about Nicole's research in romance novels and how they are catalogued in public libraries. Hi, I'm Nicole Loroff, and I'm currently an academic library resident with the University of Alberta Libraries. Um, And before that, I had a brief stint as a cataloging librarian with Edmonton Public Libraries. But, you know, the bulk of my knowledge and sort of experience actually comes from my Master's of Library and Information Studies program um, in that, you know, every assignment I did, I somehow related it (laughs) to romance novels. It was sort of like a passion project for me and something I really wanted to focus on in school. And then I also completed um, a research project as part of, you know, the advanced research course on romance novels and how they're being cataloged and made available in Edmonton Regional Public Libraries. Do you read romance novels personally or are you just in, like interested academically in them? <laughs> so I am a romance reader for sure. I pretty much exclusively read romance novels. It's very rare that I sort of venture out of that genre and I really just love reading about love. So obviously um, you work in an academic environment now, you come from an academic background. Romance novels are unfortunately often looked down on. (laughs) How do you respond to that? Um, You know, for me, it's it's like everything else with, you know, fiction. I find that there, it's not just romance novels that, you know, have some sort of stereotypes attached to them. It, it's all fiction genres. Um, so in responding to people who don't, you know, necessarily like romance novels or think they're stereotypical, you know, I always challenge them. Have you ever read one before? Mm-hmm. You know, how much do you know about romance novels? You know, it's about with anything when people have preconceptions of something. You try and make a conversation of them and you uh, engage with the material. See, what I love about the romance genre, it's it's because I get to engage in so many different subgenres. So if, you know, if I feel like reading a science fiction I can. If I feel like reading a contemporary romance, I can. Or historical, you know, it's that huge spectrum that what I love about romance novels is is that, you know, people may think that I'm stuck in a box, that romance novels are very formulaic. And in a way, they are. Like, I fully know that there's going to be, you know, a couple or a couple of people. It doesn't have to be 
too. Um, and, you know, they're going to fall in love. They're going to have a story. Um, they're going to go s- through some sort of hardship. And, you know, at the end, they, they're going to get their happily ever after. Or it's going to be some sort of optimistic ending. And, you know, I that's okay to me. It's their journey that... I read for and with all the different subgenres it's an adventure every time you know no storyline is the same no characters are the same I read it to see how the author portrays that journey so with mm-hmm. this diversity all the different subgenres mm-hmm. and all the crossover um, what makes a romance novel a romance novel you know the main framework that I can think of is by Pamela Regis or Pamela Regis in her book The Natural History of Romance Novels she gives sort of eight Uh, distinct elements that every romance novel should have. So when it comes to, you know, the characters meet and they fall in love and then there's sort of, you know, some huge obstacle that they have to get over and then there's, you know, a happy ending. Um, And then sort of similar to that, but not as constructive is sort of like the Romance Writers of America, where they define romance novels as just having a central love story and then a satisfying and optimistic ending. And that's their only criteria that they give for if a book is a romance novel. So it leaves a huge sort of margin. It's so subjective um, because literally... If you're saying that it just has to have a central love story and an optimistic ending, that can apply to so many books that people might not think are romance novels or yeah. would consider romance novels. I'm thinking in particular like um, like Chiclet novels. Yeah. Um, they would just be categorized with general fiction, but someone like Sophia Kinsella or mm-hmm. Marion Keyes could very easily fit that criteria yeah. for a romance novel, but they're not necessarily thought of in those terms. Exactly. And I wonder if that's because they have like more of the comedic element, if that's what kind of moves them off of the shelf or what that is. I don't think I don't think so. Um, a lot of authors I know and a lot of I like are very hilarious writing or writers. Um, so I don't think it's the comedic elements. I just think that maybe it's not that central love story, but yet again, it's all about perception. So, you know, a romance reader may think Chicklet is a romance novel, whereas me with that type of genre, I wouldn't necessarily, but it's all about perception and subjectivity when it comes to this. Do you find that there's authors in the romance industry who try to avoid the label of romance and try to categorize it as just like a general fiction sort of story? I don't, I don't think so I think a lot of people that are writing romance are happy to call their work romance um, because it's sort of that uplifting factor of giving it to the genre because a lot of people who are writing this, especially big authors, you know, are quite educated people and quite educated women because a lot of the majority of romance writers are women, of course, but, um, you know, very educated, have very advanced <laughs> degrees, and a lot of people don't know that. So I think they're happy to embrace sort of the romance label. And of course, mm-hmm. there are some who are like, you know, don't label me um, or don't label my works. But I think for the most part, romance writers are happy to say that they are romance writers. This is moving a little away from the scope of the labeling, but mm-hmm. I find it interesting that you brought up that most of writers in romance are female writers, and I have heard the argument made mm-hmm. that uh, romance novels are very feminist in that often the heroine has agency, mm-hmm. and I find that kind of, for me, 
who is not as knowledgeable in this subject conflicts with that idea of the traditional Harlequin, which is right. like a young woman with an older yeah. man and he has the power. How would you, what would you say to that aspect? Well, I definitely think romance novels have evolved within the past 30 years where, you know, they were very sort of sexist, absolutely, those undertones of the bodice ripper, of, you know, the woman who can't take care of herself and needs a man um, to sort of lift her up and to help her. And I think romance novels, especially within the past 10 years, have really sort of flipped that script upside down. Um, And there are strong female characters that are able to take care of themselves that, you know, just happen to fall in love. I also find it interesting just that you were talking about the change because I know we have some questions related to the cataloging Mm -hmm. of non-traditional romance novels like ones that contain LGBTQ content in terms of that. yeah, I think just looking at your question from sort of the broad perspective of the issues with cataloging romance novels, um, you know, because when you're working in a library you know, you can only devote so many resources to cataloging these books. Um, So a lot of the time, you know, especially if you're dealing with vendors, you know, it it costs money. Like the more subject headings you have, the more money it costs to put that detail in the catalog records. So, you know, when libraries are cataloging romance, it's it's usually at a basic level. Um, You know, having those specific subject headings that you know, would make that book discoverable. Hmm. Um, so I think it's it's a challenge that way. Um, and then also, you know, with the subject headings, you know, they aren't necessarily necessarily reflective of you know the terminology that is used by romance readers. So you know, up until about a year ago, the genre subject heading for romance novels was love stories, which. Oh. For me, both as a librarian and as a romance reader, is very problematic because, you know, I, I, even before I went to library school, I never searched the library catalog using love stories. So thankfully, that's been switched. Um, but for me, and even in the research that I was doing, looking at how public libraries, at least within the Edmonton region, are cataloging romance novels, one of the most popular subject headings I found was man-woman relationships, hmm. which... Mm for me, doesn't tell me anything as a romance reader. Like, what is man-woman relationships? It could be father-daughter. It could be uncle-aunt. It it could be so much than than just, you know, a romantic relationship. So I think putting that sort of heteronormative subject heading on a romance novel sort of blanket across the board doesn't do anything in terms of discoverability. It doesn't help anyone. Okay, cool. So um, what we want to know is just what um, what recommendations do you have, particularly for people who are outsiders to romance, like people who have maybe not really sure what an entrance Mm -hmm. point is, anything you'd recommend or just an all out favorite? Uh, So if anyone looking to get into romance, the first thing I always recommend is, you know, take a look at what you read outside of romance. What do you like? You know, do you like science fiction? Do you like fantasy? Um, And then from there, look for books that, you know, have that subgenre. Look for the romance subgenre that you normally um, read. Thank you so much. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Nicole. 
That was Nicole Loroth discussing romance novels and cataloging in public libraries here on Shout for Libraries on CJSR. Next up, we have Amanda and Celine talking with Laura Gerlitz, a second-year thesis student in the combined program of Library and Information Studies along with Humanities Computing here at the University of Alberta. Laura will be telling us about her research with Harlequin novels. My name is uh, Laura Gerlitz. I'm a second year in the combined School of Library and Information Studies and Humanities Computing, and uh, I am doing my thesis topic on Harlequin. I have never really read them, but uh, you know the idea came up to do a research proposal on them, and it turned into my thesis. Once you started learning about Harlequin romance novels, were you drawn to them? Did you start reading them, or have you read many in the process of your research? I've only read one or two, which yeah. was part of a, a class on the Harlequins that I audited that was uh, uh, run by Cecily Devereaux, so she's very specialized in romance and category genres and all that kind of thing. I did find the history of Harlequin, the company, was really interested, interesting, so that was why I sort of decided to pursue that as my thesis topic. So basically, like, what what was the history of the Harlequin yeah, romance novels I'm that you so, were drawn to? I'm so curious about what is the history of the Harlequin romance, because I know nothing of this. I feel like most like, people just know the covers, and it's like this, like, unknown world inside, and then it's, like, even bigger world totally. actually producing them. Yes, so... Basically, Harlequin didn't start out producing romance novels. They started out as a general reprint company based in Winnipeg, so they're Canadian. Hmm. And it was pretty much just a side business for a couple of socialite people because they had the uh, infrastructure set up and they thought, hey, we could make some extra money doing this. And so it was um, the chief editor and the wife of one of the owners, Mary Bonnie Castle, she had noticed that they had sold like a couple of romance novels within all their reprints and she noticed that that those titles had sold really well and so she pushed the her husband and the other owners to start printing more of them and Ruth Palmer who is a manager also noticed this trend and she was the run, the one who arranged a deal with um, an English publisher Mills and Boone to uh, get their romance novels and start reprinting them in Canada and that was sort of how they got into the whole romance genre. Did you find anything in your research about like what is distinctly Harlequin? Like what characteristics there are there? They're very formula romance novels, so they follow a very specific formula. Harlequin sort of stands out because they were one of the first companies to really get into the whole mail order aspect of books. Oh. So prior to the uh, reprint companies and the small paperback companies, bookstores you would pick up books in bookstores, which was a very elitist experience. And so a lot of like regular people were very intimidated by having to go into bookstores. And so when the reprint companies started selling their stuff in newsstands and grocery stores, which was what Harlequin started doing, they started getting a lot of um, more middle-class regular people picking them up. And so that was one way Harlequin actually really appealed to women was because they were in a space where you would get like wives and mothers, middle-class suburban sort of thing they would be their books would be within easy access for these women i've heard too and i especially from the digital humanities side of things love to hear your opinion on this i've heard that romance is now very popular because of that ease of use again with technology in terms of people being able to access them through their devices there's no stigma of going into the store there's nothing associated with that 
in picking up romance because, I mean, sometimes I think some people feel like there's still a stigma to it. So I'm wondering if you came across anything in your research about uh, technology and new technology, especially in the rise of romance novels. Harlequin also does print ebooks and they have stuff free stuff available on their website for people to uh, download and whatnot too. So I know your research was focused on the 50s, but it sounds like you touched on a little bit um, further along. Have you noticed any trends in the sort of storylines and characters that are portrayed? Like, is it still a sort of like white heteronormative relationship or has there been a shift in that at all that you've seen? So they are changing. They are sort of getting away from the typical formula, or the, although they do still sort of follow it. For example, their heroines tend to be, you know, a greater variance in age range. So you do have, like, older women rather than just the young white woman. Uh, they do have a specific multicultural imprint line that I believe is called Kimani. And uh, they also own a uh, online press that does uh, LGBTQ. So these days, Harlequin has their, basically their subgenres split into different imprints. So like the multicultural imprint is sort of one subgenre. And then they've got like vampires as one subgenre. And they have sort of lighter Christian romances as one. And they're all different imprints. And on their website, there is actually a flowchart. If you are writing a novel or if you're looking for a novel, you know, are you looking for something with a lot of sex in it? No. Well, are you looking for something in America? Yes. And you follow it down and eventually you get to a specific imprint that has all of those qualities. That's amazing. Yeah, I love flow <laughs> charts and this idea is great. Like, that's fantastic. I found it really great when I found it. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love this yeah. sexy flow chart. <laughs> there's something for everyone. No one left behind in the flow chart. That's really what they're trying for these days. Yeah. 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 Um, Harlequin also printed a lot of RCMP, quite a few RCMP titles, like Mounties. Oh. Mountie romance? Is that another subgenre? I don't, I don't know or if they were specifically romances, but I think they had some romance in them, like talking oh. about the 1950s ones. It was, yeah, kind of surprising to find those. That's a fascinating crossover and maybe yeah. some inspiration for some fan fiction for <laughs> listeners out there. And it's like this really great, like... <laughs> Canadian little like almost Easter egg in like the Harlequin romance world. Totally. Like we're in there. <laughs> yeah. I always like hear that Harlequin is Canadian and then I'm surprised by it, even though I know this, but it continually surprises me. What is their reach globally? Is it mostly just in North America? Oh no, they're international. Wow. Apparently they are very popular in Japan. Are there any other articles or books, maybe even things that you might be reading right now that you find really fascinating? So on the topic of Harlequin's history, as well as the history of romance novels, uh, Paul Gresco wrote The Merchants of Venus, and Margaret Ann Jensen wrote Love's Sweet Return. And then on doing more academic research, there is also Loving with a Vengeance by Tanya Modleski. Excellent. Thank you. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Laura. That was fascinating. Thank you for having me. That was Amanda and Celine in conversation with Laura Gerlitz about her research with Harlequin novels. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Shout for Libraries here on CJSR. We now go check in with Lindsay Campbell for this episode's film review. Today, Lindsay will be going through a mix of romantic movies that are a bit different from what you may be used to viewing. Hi, my name is Lindsay, and this is the Shout for Libraries movie review. So it's Valentine's Day, 
and I was tasked with talking about a romantic movie. And I immediately thought, this is not my forte in terms of genres. Do I even like any romantic movies? I, I, I was worried. And then I realized, yes, of course I like uh, some romantic movies. But I, I didn't trust what my criteria for what makes a film romantic was what would actually make a film romantic to most people. So instead of just reviewing one film, I thought I would throw out some kind of oddball, out-of-left-field picks. Things that people recommended to me that I agree with um, that would be an interesting choice this Valentine's Day if you're looking to be challenged a little bit instead of watching The Notebook again, because everybody, hands down, that I asked agreed that The Notebook was like their favorite romantic film, and it is very good. I do like it. I'm not saying it's not good, but I'm saying instead of watching The Notebook, how about something different? Okay, so everybody likes The Notebook. Everybody loves Amelie. Uh, nobody likes Titanic. But how about checking out Wim Wenders' Wings of Desire? This is a German film about these two angels, and it's quite beautiful. You might have to um, ask at the library. It's from the 1980s, I believe, or the late 80s. Richard Linklater's Before Movies. These are really fantastic. So maybe you want to have a little bit of like a Netflix and chill marathon this Valentine's Day. So you could check out Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. And those star Julie Depley and Ethan Hawke. I agree. This is one of my favorites. This is my own private Idaho, Gus Van Sant. It's from around 1990 and it has Keanu Reeves in River Phoenix. Derek Cian France's Blue Valentine has Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams, and it is a very romantic and beautiful film. It's a again, it's not your typical Ryan Gosling romantic film, and he comes up a lot when you ask people about romantic movies. But anyway, so the, he, he is in this, but this is not your typical Ryan Gosling, you know, Hollywood thing. How about Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love? That's a very beautiful film. Again, you'd find that in the uh, foreign section. It's from Hong Kong. Somebody suggested to me Life is Beautiful. Well, I thought that was just, I thought I would mention it because that's a very strange pick. If you're familiar with that title, it's Italian. It's from around maybe 1999-2000 and it's got Roberto Benigni, but it's about a, it's about the Holocaust. It's about a concentration camp. I'm not sure why that person recommended it, but hey, maybe if you want to watch a Holocaust movie for Valentine's Day, you should watch Life is Beautiful. Um, somebody else suggested uh, Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, which is a great film. Again, I hoping that the romance that they're referring to is between the two characters in the diner played by Amanda Plummer and Tim Roth because I'm not really sure what else would be romantic about Pulp Fiction but hey it's a great film anyway so maybe you want to check it out here instead of watching Casablanca if you're into old films instead of Casablanca how about Alain Rene's Hiroshima Mon Amour if anybody out there actually goes and checks out Hiroshima Mon Amour gets through it and enjoys it please tell me because I I think it's a very romantic film, but it is not your conventional 1950s black and white romance. This is Alain Rene's Hiroshima Mon Amour, and it is uh, French and Japanese. Okay, so those were the recommendations that other people gave me, and I, I thought that I would throw them out there for you. My favorite romantic movies are Sid and Nancy. That's a film by Alex Cox, and it's from maybe 1986 or so. It's got Gary Oldman as Sid Vicious from The Sex Pistols. It's so fantastic. I can see from where I'm sitting right now my poster on the wall. It's beautiful. My all-time favorite film, period, which I get asked about a lot, is Harold and Maude. This is a Hal Ashby film from around 1970, and it's got Ruth Gordon and Bud Court. 
One of my favorite romantic movies that's more recent is Take This Waltz. This is a film by Sarah Polly, and it's got Michelle Williams and Luke Kirby, and it's Canadian. And then the last one, when somebody said Wonkar Wai, I thought about this beautiful South Korean film, Three Iron, and it is one of my all-time favorites, and it's so, so beautiful. So there you go. Happy Valentine's Day. My name is Lindsay, and this is the Shout for Libraries movie review. That was Lindsay Campbell with her list of oddball romantic films. And that's it for today's show. Thanks to our guests, Nicole, Ashley, and Laura. And a special thanks to all our contributors, including Anop Harihan, who composed our theme music. And if you want more information on romance novels, don't forget to go check out the blog, All About Romance. We hope you enjoyed our exploration of romance today. Please check us out at Twitter at Shout for Libraries, that's Shout and the number four, Libraries. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at Shout for Libraries. Once again, this has been Larissa. And Rachel, and we have been your hosts for this half hour of Library Radio. Catch us on the next episode of Shout for Libraries. Libraries.